Well, good morning again. Uh, welcome to week number one of this brand new series called Breaking the Rules. And before we get started, I want to take a moment and just celebrate a few things with you, if that's okay. Uh, if you were with us last week, you know that we had a really big day, and it was a historic day in the life of our church. Uh, the most people uh, in the history of our church attended uh, one worship experience last Sunday with 362 people showing up to our Easter worship experience. And so I want to say thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I want to say thank you for those of you who invited others, those of you who are guests with us. We're excited that you chose to be with us. It was a great, great day. Uh, most importantly, there were 30 people, 29, 21 adults and nine children who made decisions to accept Christ as their Savior and place their faith in Him, which is what it's all about at the end of the day. And so can we just celebrate that? And as if that weren't enough, it was even a day that we broke records financially. Uh, we had the most money ever given on a Sunday, uh, given this past week on Easter Sunday. And uh, you may not know this, but it takes money to run churches. And so we think that's worth celebrating because the people of our church are becoming more and more generous. And so we're so excited for that. So can we just celebrate that? Yeah, that's great. Awesome, awesome. And if you're here for the second time, if you were here last week on Easter for the very first time, we just want to say we're honored that you're, that you're back with us. We know we don't have a TV or an iPad or any cash to give away, but we hope that what you found last week uh, wasn't some gifts that were attractive to come into a worship experience, but a God that we serve uh, that's worth investing a life in. And so we hope that this is a church that will be an encouragement to you from here on out. And so we love that you're back with us. Uh, so Breaking the Rules uh, is a series about being rebels together, and I want to challenge us over the next four weeks, potentially six or eight as we get into the summer, uh, to be rebels together for a cause, and we'll talk about what that cause is in just a moment, but how many of you know or you've heard it said that rules are meant to be broken. That's right. Uh, the, the rules are created uh, on some level, most people think, because uh, someone has to break those rules. And sometimes, let's just be honest, it feels good to break rules. You ever, you ever broken a rule and you just felt good about it at the end of the day? I would never encourage you to do anything illegal. I've never encouraged you to break the law. I'm not encouraging you to uh, partake in crime, okay? So let's not go there. But um, there was a time when I was just out of college. Uh, actually, when I was a junior in college that summer, I, I did an internship uh, with a director of uh, a summer camp for students. It was a Christian camp, and students would come from all over uh, North Georgia, and they would come to this camp outside of Atlanta, and uh, they would have four or five different camps for different age groups. And, and so I did an internship with the director of these camps uh, through this denomination, and uh, it turned out that uh, my first week on the job, they discovered that the person they thought was going to be a lifeguard uh, was uncertified and wasn't, their certification ran out, they weren't going to be able to get recertified in time, and so um, I had been working on some certification, and, and it turned out that I became a lifeguard that summer, and so my job that started out being office work type stuff turned into an incredibly fun summer where I got to be a lifeguard for all of these camps. And so uh, from that point forward, I just, I lifeguarded these camps. It was something that I loved. I was known as the lifeguard. And, and so I would go to all these camps every summer and I would lifeguard and it was fun. Well, this particular camp had, had a lot of rules. Let's just be honest. If you've ever been to some church camps, there's typically a lot of rules, right? 
if you've been. Uh, you know, so guys can't go in the girls' dorms, and girls can't go in the guys' dorms, and there's dress codes, and your shorts have to be a certain length. It was, it was one of these camps. And um, one of the things that was really like, it was just extremely set in stone and known that you would not offend this rule at all was that uh, guys and girls did not swim together. Uh, because we all know that if guys and girls swim together, girls will get pregnant. And um, <laughs> at least that's the way they acted. Um, but so they actually had two separate pools, one for the girls and one for the guys. And so they would have girl lifeguards and guy lifeguards. And the girls during their swim time would go to the girls' pool. And the guys during their swim time would go to the guys' pool. And they never, ever crossed those lines. And they were located in different places so you couldn't see them. And the fences were really high. And it was like really, really a big deal. And so uh, it turns out that this campground was being sold and they were going to purchase some land and build a new campground. And so they were transitioning away from this particular campground in Atlanta. And I was there for the very last camp ever on this campground. And it was the last night, it was a Thursday night before this final camp. There would never be another camp at this campground. It would never happen again. And uh, so uh, there were a group of us that were, uh, we were at the pool. And uh, there was just something that rose up on the inside of me that it just felt like, you know what, they've had this rule. And we've been going by these rules this whole time. And um, uh, something, it just needs something, we need to go out on a, on a good note. And uh, so I did what... I think anyone in my shoes would do is I strip naked and skinny dipped in the church camp pool. And um, sometimes, sometimes to this day, I still feel a little guilty about it because the rules were so set in stone, like it was just a bad thing. But if I'm being honest, there was just something inside me that just felt good to break that rule. You know, it was just like, just like at the end of the day, I mean, some rules that we have are just not, they're just not, they're just not good rules. Okay, and so I broke the rule. I felt, I felt good about it, and, um, and, and so that was fun. But, but you've probably broken some rules in your life, and part of you, if you've broken a rule and you weren't caught, uh, still feel some satisfaction in it. Isn't there like this rebel side in all of us that just finds satisfaction in, in just going against the rules, that just breaking the rules, that just going against the grain, uh, that just wants to do things we're not supposed to do because for whatever reason, something on the inside of us gets some type of satisfaction out of uh, doing the wrong things or doing what we're not supposed to do, especially if the rules were meant to be broken, especially if they're stupid rules, okay? So you've got... You've got parents that had rules for you growing up, and you probably snuck out of the house, or you stayed up beyond a bedtime, or you watched something you weren't supposed to watch, and, and your parents never found out about it. And now that you're older, you go back and you have conversations with your parents and say, you never knew this, but there was this time that I did that. And just something inside just feels good just to admit to somebody, you know what, you had rules, and I broke the rules, and, and you didn't do nothing about it because you didn't know, and it felt good. Well, I think, I think that... Uh, there are a set of rules in our culture, in our society, that we tend to live by. And, and sometimes they're unspoken rules, uh, but there are certain expectations that I think our culture has placed on all of us. And if we're honest with ourselves, we allow those expectations, those rules, those, those sets of uh, lifestyles or the ways of living to kind of dominate and rule our life, and we feel like we kind of have to fall in line or else we're going we're gonna to stick out like sore thumbs, and we don't want to feel as though we're drawing attention to ourselves, and we want to fit in. Um, honestly, most of us have spent a lot of time in our lives trying to be just normal. Can we, I mean, can we just admit that together? I have spent a lot of time in my life just trying to be normal, 
just trying for people not to look at me and just say, you know, what is he thinking? You know, what is he doing? Why, why does he do the things that he does? And part of me just didn't want to deal with a lot of that things. And so I've tried, I've tried really hard to be normal. Uh, but normal in our society isn't a good thing. Can we just be honest and, and, and just acknowledge together that our society, our culture has taken some steps backwards, morally speaking, ethically speaking, uh, particularly in the ways of God. If you believe in the Bible, uh, our society, our culture has taken some steps backwards, and we call it progressive thinking. And so our society is becoming more and more morally drifted from the things of God, and it's celebrated more and more, and it's becoming more and more normal to live lifestyles that don't reflect the truths of God's Word. And I believe... As Christians, I believe as a person who has given my life to Christ and who longs to live a life that pleases him, uh, that God's ways of living have better benefits than the world's ways of living. And I believe that it's worth the investment to sometimes stick out and go against the grain and say, you know what, the rules that, that I've been living by, the rules that have been driving my life to be normal, uh, they're meant to be broken. Because let's be honest, normal isn't a good thing in our society. When, I mean, when we talk about our time, normal for time is to be stressed out all the time, to be doing more and overcommitted uh, than time will even allow us. We overcommit ourselves so much, we're so busy as a culture that we don't spend the time with the right people and our families suffer, our relationships suffer. Uh, we spend time doing things that we shouldn't be doing because we feel as though we have to keep up with the pace of society and we're stressed out all the time and we're angry all the time and we're bitter all the time and we have fights because we're trying to be normal and just fit in, but it results in us uh, just being overwhelmed. And our finances, I mean, come on, normal in finances in America uh, is to pursue material things, which leaves us living lives, honestly, they're broke. And we're in debt. And we have things that we can't afford so that we can fit in with people that we think deserve our approval or we want their approval. And so we live these lives strapped financially. We have arguments financially. There's no peace in our lives financially. And when it comes to relationships, you know, the normal for relationships, you know this, you've heard this, it's no secret that half of every marriage ends in divorce. That's normal. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't like normal. I don't want to be normal. I don't want that to be a statistic that, that I play into. And listen, 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 before we even go any further, please hear me. Some of the things that we're going to talk about in this series are going to be things that, uh, that have been true for you that normal has been true for you and we're going to say that God's ways are better than normal and you're going to have experienced normal and there's nothing that we're going to say in this series that's intended to cause you to feel judged or looked down upon. In fact, we give grace to everybody. Uh, the goal of this series is to say there's a better way. There's a better way than, than living life in such a way that, that you have half a chance of having a marriage succeed. We have parents that, uh, that don't, provide for their kids well. They have kids that hate their parents. We have kids that are abused and neglected. That's normal. It's normal in our society and in our culture. Sexual immorality is rampant. It's celebrated through music, through movies, through media of all kinds. And it's abnormal now for God's ways when it comes to sexuality to be embraced by any individual 
And so we just feel as though normal is something that's worth living and it's been celebrated. And, and I just want to encourage us just to be rebels against normal. Uh, I've entitled this message, Normal Rebels, because normal is not worth your time. And the truth is, if you want the same results that normal will get you, then you do the same things that normal people do. But if you want different results from what normal gets you, you've got to do different things. You've got to rebel against normal, and you've got to say, I'm going to live my life in such a way that normal isn't my reality. Let me give us a, a verse of scripture to kind of set, set up what we're going to talk about today. This is Matthew chapter number 7, verses 13 and 14. These are the words of Jesus when he says this. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. What's normal, what's common, what most people do is they live lives that lead to destruction, and many people follow that path. Okay, students specifically, uh, you're at a young lady, you got your whole life ahead of you. This is the path that culture wants you to walk through. It's a wide path. You're going to find that most people go down this path, but the truth is, is it leads to destruction. The outcome is never as good as it appears while you're in the midst of making normal decisions. But he goes on to say that small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I want to be a church that celebrates a lifestyle that, that few find. Because the truth is the masses are going down a path that leads to destruction. But I would love, I would love to live a life and I would love for you to live a life that leads to life. That's, that's just different from normal. That honestly sticks out. That sometimes is just going in the opposite direction from most people. And it takes some courage and it takes some guts to live a life like this. But I just believe and I'm convinced that God's ways, God's instructions, they're not just some ancient text or a historical book that was for people one day. You know, people say, well, well times have changed, or we're living in 2014. And I can say that times have changed tremendously since I was a teenager. But it's not heading in the right direction, and we know that. And so I want to implore us to live lives that are not normal. And rebel against normal and say, I'm going to stand for God's truth in my life. And I don't care what people think about it because in the end, I know that it leads to life and not destruction. Proverbs 14, 12 says that there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And our culture is screaming at us thoughts and lifestyles and potential decisions that seem to be right. Have you, ever, have you ever been going somewhere, you didn't know exactly where you were going, but you were walking somewhere and there were a lot of people walking in the same direction and you just assume, like, well, everybody's going to, they're all going the same direction, so I'm just going to follow them. And sometimes you end up in the right place and you're like, well, of course, everybody knew where they were going, but sometimes you end up in the wrong place and you're like, whoa, 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 I just followed people to a place that's not where I wanted to go because I thought that everybody was just going where I'm going. And we live lives that way. We just assume that everybody's going in the same direction and so we just get on board and, and follow down that path. But most people, according to God's word, are on a path that leads to destruction. And I just don't think it's a, it's, it's a life worth living. And so we're going to spend a couple of weeks uh, talking about how to be normal rebels. 
So we said that if you want to if you want to have what normal people have, then you do what normal people do. But if you want to have what few people have, then you've got to rebel against normal. And we do that by standing for God's truth. We believe that there's something better for normal for you and for me. And so I want to go to a couple of passages of Scripture. And I want to share with you just two simple ways that I think we can rebel against normal. There's nothing profound. You're not going to be like, dude, you are the smartest man on the planet. It's going to be something very simple and commonplace. It's probably going to be some things you've heard before, but maybe it can just be a reminder that there are some simple things that we can do to rebel against normal and to say that normal is not going to have a place in my life uh, because I desire uh, to live a life that leads uh, to something worth living for, and that's life itself. So the first thing that you're going to do if you're going to rebel against normal, if you want to have things that few people have in this life, is that you've got to stop thinking the way normal people think. It's easy for us to allow people to do the thinking for us. It's easy for us to allow culture to set standards that we just fall in line with. We don't really think about them and we just end up thinking the way most people think because that's what most people do and we make decisions based on what's normal but I want to encourage us to think differently instead of the way normal people think. Here's a couple of, here's a scripture for you. Romans chapter number two is written by a man named Paul to a church in Rome. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Think about that. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. You know that there's a pattern in this world. You know that our culture has set some standards that most people live in certain ways. They follow down the same path. Many people are on that path. Do not conform. Do not fall in line with. Do not be molded to this pattern. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we don't conform to the pattern of this world, but we're transformed, which means we're changed into God's ways by the renewing of our mind. Let me read a different version of the same scripture. This is the message version. Uh, it's, it's a paraphrase. It's, it's putting the scripture into language that we understand better. Um, and it says this. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Isn't that scary to think about that? Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That you just automatically, your default is to be normal. You're so well adjusted to the culture, you don't even think about it. You're just doing things that are contrary to God's word. And you find yourself there just because you're just so well adjusted to culture. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. The only hope that we have to rebel against normal is to think differently from normal people. It starts in our mind. It starts with us making uh, ourselves think about things that are based on God's word that cause us to do things that are different from the way normal people act. When I was, um, when I was 12 years old on my 12th birthday, my dad, he took me out uh, for lunch and we had a steak together and he presented me with a lifestyle challenge, to be honest with you. And, and he gave me a ring um, that he said would represent me uh, keeping myself sexually pure, not having sex before I were married. Um, and, and he challenged me. He said, son, God teaches us uh, that there's all kind of sexual immorality in this world. 
But God's word said that sex is designed for one man and one woman in the confines of marriage. And so he said, I want to challenge you as a 12-year-old to live a life of purity and save yourself sexually for a woman that you'll marry one day. That on your wedding day, you'll be able to present her with a ring and you'll be able to say, I've never had sex with another woman until you. And I said, you know, Dad, I would love to do that. And so we prayed together and I made this challenge. Um, and I can't say that I was completely perfect sexually, that, that I never kissed a girl, I never had a lustful thought about a girl. I can't, I can't go that far. But the honor that I had on my wedding night was not only that I was having sex for the first time with a woman of my dreams, but that she had made the exact same commitment and that she had saved herself for me. And I can just tell you, I can just tell you that that's not the normal way of thinking. It's not. It's not the normal way of thinking in the church. That most people would never wait until a wedding night to have sex for the first time. It's just, it's not normal. You stick out like a sore thumb. I've had people in my lifetime that have teased me throughout my high school years, throughout my college years, who have said, you know, things like, oh, you just don't like women, what's going on with you? I mean, just all kinds of things that you can't imagine. And it was something that I thought was worth sticking out for because it was something I believed in. And ultimately, it was something that God's Word instructed me to do. And throughout my life, I've had many different decisions that were based on convictions that I had from God's Word that weren't popular, that weren't common, that, that didn't go with the normal flow of people. I remember my freshman year of college. I was at Southern Polytechnic State University in Marietta. I was on a basketball scholarship playing basketball for a coach that I loved, man. It was the best uh, experience that I had ever had. I was playing college basketball, a small college, and as a freshman, I gained a starting position. I was at an engineering school, and listen, I had dreams from, a child, from childhood to be a civil engineer. I don't know why I dreamed of that. I just had dreams to be a civil engineer. Maybe it's because I heard they made good money. I don't know. But from the time I was little, I always thought, I want to be a civil engineer. And I was at a school on a scholarship getting an education for free to become a civil engineer. And my freshman year of college, almost at the end of the basketball season, I felt like God was telling me that I should leave Southern Polytechnic State University and I should transfer to a Christian college and pursue full-time ministry. And I said, there's no way. I don't even like getting up in front of people. You know, this is my dream, you know, and, and, and I started saying, God, you provided me with a way to make my dream come true. Like, I'm not even paying for school and I'm here. Obviously, like, you've got me here for a reason. And I just began to feel like God was just saying to me, you just need to forget your dream. You need to follow and be obedient to what I'm calling you to do. And I had some people in my life that heard that I was leaving this opportunity to pursue a childhood dream. And I was transferring to a smaller Christian college. And they said, man, you're, you're just, you're crazy. Like, why would you give that up? Why would you change that? And it was just something on the inside of me that just said, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to be normal, though. I know that I want to do what God's called me to do, even if that means doing things that you would never do. And I'm making decisions that you would never make, and that's okay. Because I'm fine with your opinion of me not being so great because I know that this is where God's leading me to do. And then I can remember years later, after eight years in student ministry, where I began to feel like God was calling me to plant a church. And listen, I thought I was crazy. When I left a job that I loved with people that I loved, 
making twice the money that I'm making today and, and leaving all that to come and start something from nothing. And, and people tried to talk me out of it, literally. I had pastors sit down with me over lunch and just say, we don't think, I don't think you should do this. Like, I don't think you're going to do a good job. Like, you're, you're crazy. I can, I can help you find something better for you. You would make more money. You could provide for your family better. The normal way of thinking. And it sounded great. But there was just something inside of me that just said, you know what? Forget them. I'm going to do what God's calling me to do. And I don't care what people think about it. There are people in this room who have made decisions that they've been mocked for, they've been made fun of before, they've been abused over, uh, they've been picked at, they've stood out like sore thumbs. There's people in this room who have taken jobs making less money because they felt like God was leading them to do it, and it wasn't a normal decision. There are people in this room who have changed professions. There's people in this room who have uh, ended relationships. There's people in this room who have uh, made bold decisions that go against the norm because they were confident that God was calling them to do it. And it comes from a different way of thinking. And I want to challenge you. If you want to experience things that normal people don't experience, you've got to think differently from normal people. And you've got to begin to allow God's ways to shape the way you think. And when you do that, you'll begin to experience rewards that only come from God, which I just believe far outweigh what the world has to offer. So first, we stop thinking the way normal people think. And the second thing that simply I think that we can do to rebel against normal, to experience a life that's different, is to stop living the way normal people live. Stop living the way normal people live. Listen, listen to these passages of Scripture and just let it challenge your heart. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, among those who are far from God, who don't pretend to live according to His truth. Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good, de good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Peter calls us aliens and strangers in this world, which means we don't belong here. We don't fit in here. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you've embraced this, but if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, this world is not your home. And you should not fit in completely in this world. You should be an alien. You should be a stranger. If you've ever been to a foreign country, a place that speaks a different language, you just felt this sense of like, I just don't really belong here. I don't even understand what they're saying. I don't get what they're doing. That's, that should be the life of a Christian. I don't really understand why they do the things they do. I don't really feel like I fit in here. That's the truth for all of us, and that's not a bad thing. It's God's design for us. Because here's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So if you're a Christian, you've been recreated. Everything in your life's new, and what you used to be, you're not anymore. And so that means that you don't fit in. You're not normal in this world. And if you fit in completely in this world, and you do everything that this world does, then you need to ask yourself, am I really living a life that God's called me 
to live. There's this, there's this phrase in the church world that you've probably heard before if you grew up in the church or if you've been around the church for long at all. Um, that says as Christians we're to be in the world, what's the rest of it, but not of the world. Yeah. Uh, and most people think that that's scripture. That's actually not scripture. Uh, those exact words are actually not written anywhere in the Bible. But they're based off of a passage in John chapter 15 where, where people simply tried to uh, put into more acceptable words what Jesus said and help us understand better. And so I'm going to read that passage and I want us to talk about what the, wor- what the church says being in the world but not of the world should really look like. John chapter 17, verse number 14. These are Jesus' words. He's praying for his disciples. And he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Have you ever felt like the world hates you? Because if you're a Christian, there should be some times where you feel like the world is just against you. For they are not, listen to this, of the world any more than I am of the world. Just as Jesus wasn't of the world, we shouldn't be of the world. Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Here it is again. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. So as Christians, we're not of the world. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. That word sanctify means set apart. So so Jesus is praying that God would set us apart by his truth. And then he says, as you sent me into the world, I send them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified or set apart. So Jesus is praying to God on behalf of his disciples, which is the same prayer that I think would be for us today. And he says, says, God, they're not of the world any more than I'm of the world, but I'm sending them into the world. And so set them apart by your truth. So the church world for decades has been saying that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And and kind of the gist of that, what I got from it as a child growing up is that I can't help being in the world. It's almost like I'm stuck here, right? Like I'm just stuck, I'm imprisoned in this evil, evil world, and I can't help but be in it, but I can refuse to be of it, right? So I'm stuck here in this evil, evil world, this culture full of lies. I can't escape it. I'm stuck here. I'm in it, but I can refuse to be of it. And so we've set all of these boundaries and, and we've tried to protect ourselves from the world by removing ourselves in some ways from the world. And we've claimed that that means we're not of the world. And so we've said, you know, I'm not going to listen to certain, certain things. I'm not going to be around certain people. I'm not going to go certain places. I'm going to make sure that, that I surround myself with the right things, because if I do that, then even though I'm in the world, which is a bad thing, because I don't want to be in this world, I want to be in heaven, but since I'm stuck here, I can surround myself with enough that keeps me from being of the world. And I just think that that's so far from Jesus' prayer for our lives. But I lived that way for so many years. Here's the truth for you. We already read it. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. If you're a Christian, you are not of the world. You're not. And Jesus prayed it. He said, just as I'm not of the world, you're not of the world. It's not something that you have to try not to be of the world. You're a new creation. God does that for you. He's got grace for you. 
You make mistakes, you fall short, he picks you up, he gives you hope, he sets you on the right course. But you just need to understand you're an alien and a stranger. If you want to follow Christ, that's what you are. You're not of this world. You're different. This world's not your home. The ways of this world don't dictate your life. Normal doesn't stereotype how you live and make decisions. You're not of this world. You shouldn't fit in. There should be something inside of you. Like when I was in Miami's airport and I was like, I'm in America and all I hear is Spanish speaking. How how can I be in my homeland and not even understand what they're saying for me to get on my flight? I was so frustrated. I was like, I don't get it. And we should be like that as Christians. We should be like this. I just don't get this world. I don't get it. I don't fit in here. That's not something you have to try to do. That's something that God did for you. You're not of this world, but listen to this. Jesus said, Father, as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. You're not of the world, but you're sent into the world. Your mission in this life is not to stay away from enough bad so that you can feel good. Your mission in this world is to know, I don't fit in, but I'm going straight into the face of this world, and I'm going to make a difference because that's what Christ did, and that's what he's called me to do, and I'm boldly rebelling against normal, and I'm just... Standing on the mountaintop shouting, there's a better way. There's more for you. There's hope for your life. It's not that we're stuck in the world, but we're trying not to be of the world. It's that we're not of the world, but he sent us into the world. And it's a different way of thinking, and it's a different way of living to where we make decisions that aren't based on the way the world makes decisions. John 15, 9, earlier in this passage, Jesus said, If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. I'm just kind of at a place in life where I just want our church to be different. Where I want our church to be full of people who aren't normal. And who embrace a lifestyle that's not normal because they believe there's something better for them. Listen, all over this country this morning, there's people who are just going through motions and they attend church because it's just, it's normal for them. Even in the church world, it's normal for them. Someone's going to get on the stage and they're going to sing some songs and they're going to sing some songs along with them. And then they're going to turn around and they're going to leave after hearing uh, some preacher get up and say a few words. And they're going to go back to their normal way of living. And that's just something that fits into their life. I shared a while back that, um, that, that a couple of months ago, I began to feel like God was saying to me that my wife needed to come home and not work anymore. We have two young kids and, and I felt like God was saying she needs to be mom in this season for them. And it was a tough financial decision. I said, you know, God, I don't know how that's going to work because I don't know if you know this, but I'm planning a church and I'm not making as much money as I was making. And so she went back to work. We thought that was how you made this possible. And so she was kind of making up the difference. And, and so now we're going to take that away. And so um, in that whole season, I found another job, okay? And so I began another job uh, working early mornings. And so it doesn't really interfere with my work as a pastor. And in this job, I'm around people who uh, aren't Christians, Okay? And Lindsay's like, finally, you don't work at a church, and finally you're around people who are normal. That was kind of her words. It's normal for people to cuss you out when you make a mistake. It's normal for people to cuss you out when you don't make a mistake because they made a mistake and they wanted to blame you about it. 
It's normal for people to do these kind of things. And so um, I've enjoyed being around some normal people, to be honest with you. And kind of get out of my church bubble. Uh, but a couple of days ago, there were, there were a couple of guys that were working alongside of me. And uh, they were having this conversation about a new club that's opened up in Athens. And, and man, they were just, they were talking this club up, loving this club. I don't even know the name of the club. I didn't catch the club. So if you love clubs, I couldn't give you a good reference because I didn't catch the name of the club. But apparently, it's a hopping club. And there are certain nights where there are certain theme or whatever styles of partying uh, these guys love man they were just talking it up and the women are incredibly beautiful apparently apparently they have different women than the rest of society and they're just all gorgeous and the way they were talking about these women um, wasn't extremely godly let's just be honest and so they're having these conversations and they're talking about you know you know people getting wasted and how fun it was and it's just they were partying it up living it up and listen it's normal it's normal that's the way people live they were just enjoying life it's normal and then all of, I don't even know how it happened. The conversation changed, and they started talking about the church that they go to. <laughs> it's like, let me listen a little closer. They got a new pastor. This pastor's already into the women. What? Yeah, but I like him, though, man, because he's, he's fresh. He's young. He's fresh. You know, he's not like those old 50 and 60-year-old. He's fresh. He's fun to listen to. And I heard this conversation from guys who were talking about doing normal things, partying, women, substances that would be contrary to God's word, and in the same conversation, migrating into how much they love their church and, and began to talk about how they stood up because so-and-so was saying something against so-and-so. And I can't believe they did that in the church. I just put them in their place, man. And, and listen, you think I'm making this up, but I promise you there were at least 20 GDs in the church conversation. I promise you. I'm not exaggerating. And my heart just became sad because normal has infiltrated our churches the church isn't what it used to be. And the world's way of living has become acceptable in the church. And we've allowed the world's way of living to become the normal for the church. And so we now have normal Christians, which doesn't even make sense. Because we're not normal as Christians. But we have normal Christians in normal churches that live the same way the normal world lives. I'm just fed up with it. If that's what it takes to grow a church, and if that's what it takes to have people give more money to your church, then I don't want a part of it. Because I don't want a normal church. I want people who are real. I want people who the church makes a difference in their life. And they begin to make decisions that the world thinks are not normal. And they're looked at differently, and they feel like they don't fit in. Because guess what? If you're a Christian, you don't. You're not of this world. You don't belong here. You're an alien. You're a stranger in a foreign land. But you've been sent into the world. And it's not bad that you're here because the world needs you and the world needs me and the world needs this church. And the world needs churches that will rise up and say, we're going to make a difference and we're going to live our lives differently. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some specific areas in which we're going to be different. 
as a church. And I'm going to challenge us. And there's going to be some things that we're going to talk about that you're going to say, oh, I blew that when he's talking to me. And it's not judgmental at all because some of the things that I'm going to be talking about are things that I've screwed up. But I've just committed that I want to be a pastor that doesn't just make people feel good. And I don't want to be like that hour in your week that just makes you feel good. I don't want to be like your break from your normal life. And you're going to say, hold on, normal life. I'm going to step in here and like hear something. That's awesome. I'm going to go right back to my normal life because normal is just not working. And I want to lead a church full of people who just break the rules and just say normal's not for us. And we're going to go against the norm. And we're going to stand for God's truth. And we're going to believe him to do things in us and through us that we could never do on our own. And if we'll do that, if we'll do that, if we'll be that church, if we'll be those people that we're not normal Christians at a normal church in a normal world, but we're aliens and strangers, we're not of this world, but we're in this world because we're sent, you'll experience joy that you've never imagined. And your joy might not be based on things that the world finds joy in. It'll be based on God's truth. And you'll live a life differently because you think differently. And you'll rebel against normal and have greater peace and happiness and contentment than you've ever had in your life. Can we pray together? Lord, I am just convinced that you are not a fan of normal Christians and normal churches in a normal world. And I pray that we will live our lives differently. I pray that we will become a people, a people of God who don't fit into this world. And our goal isn't to avoid the world because we're claiming that we're not of the world. But our, but our mission will be to stand in the truth that we're not of this world. And because of that, we can go into a world with a message of hope. 